Thank you, Pastor Scott. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors again, uh, if you hadn't heard that. Uh, and a question, a really easy, light question for us to ask this morning. How do you hear from God? How do you hear the voice of God? Uh, I know for me, uh, I just heard the voice of God coming from these kids out here, right? Uh, Hannah, what an incredible call to what it means for us to follow Jesus. And then, you know, because Jesus died for us, hearing the voice of God from our kids. Uh, but this is a significant question, right? How do you hear from God? How do you hear the voice of God? And this is kind of a, an essential question for all of us who follow God and all of us who seek to follow Jesus. But really, this is kind of an essential question a lot of humanity is asking, right? A lot of humanity wants to know, how do I hear from my creator? Like, how on earth am I supposed to discern these things? And this is uh, especially in some ways a frustrating question when we find ourselves faced uh, with a, a circumstance or a trial before us that we don't want to face. Right? This is a, a question that we don't uh, really want to wrestle with, especially when we're like longing for God. Like, if you could just please come, if you could please speak to me. Because what I'm facing is too hard or is too challenging. I don't, I don't know what to do in this circumstance. And then if we do hear from the voice of God, if it's not what we'd expect or it's not what we'd hope, we're devastated. Right? It's hard for us to grapple with the reality of trying to listen for the voice of God, especially when it doesn't go the way that we'd want or the way that we'd hope or perhaps the way that we would expect. In my own uh, story, I have a, uh, one of the ways in which I feel like I've heard God uh, comes really closely associated with calling. Uh, and calling for me is for uh, kind of where Pastor Britt and I, where God is calling us to serve as pastors. And so a year ago uh, on Palm Sunday... I was Pastor Bird is in my installation Sunday, which is uh, just a, a kind of a fancy way of saying it was an affirmation of the congregation and from us in our denomination or conference to say that we feel like we're called to serve here together in shared ministry and to do life together. Uh, does anybody remember Palm Sunday last year? <clears throat> oh my goodness gracious. We, if you don't know, uh, we had an in-person service and the in-person service, uh, we, it was, we were still kind of being really careful with COVID. So we weren't in the sanctuary, we were outside in the parking lot. People drove up in their cars, and we had a, a, a tent, and it was torrential downpour. Uh, like, I was holding the tent while I was preaching to keep it from flying away. Uh, and so we would uh, say Hosanna by honking our horns in the car, and we waved our palm branches out the window. <laughs> this was how we celebrated Palm Sunday. So certainly a memorable installation Sunday. And talk about things not going as you'd expect or perhaps hope, right? This was a, a kind of a crazy experience. Uh, but before that, before we came uh, to Newport, before we were called here as co-lead pastors, uh, Pastor Britt and I served at two other churches. Uh, and uh, I'm telling you, you cannot make this stuff up. Uh, Britt and I were called to these other churches. And before we went to these churches, I felt like I had a really clear sense that God was speaking, not audibly, but kind of internally. I just felt like God was saying, this is where I want you to go. This is the church that I want you to go and serve. And both of those experiences happened while I was in the bathroom. I don't know if it was the movement of the spirit or what kind of thing. <laughs> I had to. I was just, it was right there, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> but, so God, God was really clear to me in these, inst <laughs> God was really clear in this space for me. I, for whatever reason, that's how God chose to speak. Uh, our experience with Newport was a little bit different. Um, <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just, I'm digging the hole, and trust me, it's going to get deeper. Uh, so uh, our experience with Newport was a little bit different. We, we really wrestled with calling for a number of years. 
we were really asking, like we were having a really hard time. We didn't quite know where God was leading. And so we kind of kept asking, like, God, where are you calling us? Where are you calling us? Oh, man. I'm ashamed to admit, a number of occasions, I found myself going into the bathroom and saying, okay, God, I'm ready. God, would you just speak? Make yourself known and clear to me. Now, that's insane, right? Like, going into the bathroom to hear the voice of God is not like the normal thing that people often do, right? This is, but here's the deal. This is an important, I think, illustration because it, it, something for me that was true and I think is true for us. When we long for the voice of God, we'll do, like, we are longing for the voice of God. We'll do anything that it takes to hear from God, right? We'll, we'll do things that seemingly seem crazy because we long to hear from God. And when it doesn't go the way that we'd hope or we'd expect, we find ourselves in this place of desperation where we'll do something as ridiculous as going into the bathroom to try to hear God speak to us. Right? When we long for God, we, we just hope that God will make God's self clear to us, that we'd hear the voice of God clearly. And when it doesn't go the way that we'd hope or the way that we'd expect or how we would want things to go, we can find ourselves uh, kind of questioning and, and wondering. And sometimes it can even be a place of significant doubt for us to ask, is God even real? Does God even hear me? This is an important question. How do we hear from God? And our story this morning, uh, thankfully, is not quite so ridiculous. Uh, our story from this morning uh, is kind of the same thing of these people who had a deep longing to hear the voice of God. They had a longing to hear for the voice of God. And in this story, it's kind of the opposite side of the coin. They actually do, in fact, hear a voice from God. But I think this story is helpful for us because it reveals some things about us, about the way in which God voice, God's voice speaks, and then how it is we are to interact with those things, or how it is that we find ourselves engaging in the world when perhaps it doesn't go the way that we'd hope or the way that we'd expect. And so in this uh, season, these six weeks that have been leading up to Easter, it's a season called Lent, which is a season of intentional waiting, of kind of holding the space for what Jesus is about to do. Can you believe next week is Easter? Like, how did we get here? Where did March go? Uh, but next week is Easter. And this is what we've been longing for, what we've been waiting for. We've been hoping for this resurrection. But in this season of waiting, in this season of longing, we've been looking at these prayers of Jesus and how these prayers of Jesus model for us how we can be a praying community. What it looks like for us to come to God in honesty and in prayer and to come before God humbly. And so uh, the, the prayer that we're looking at of Jesus this morning comes right after uh, Jesus has entered in the triumphal entry. So we just celebrate, we wave these palms and we shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, God. Save us, Jesus. And so Jesus comes into the triumphal entry, and this is a, a occurrence in the Gospel of John. And we hear Jesus then praying this prayer. A crowd has now gathered after Jesus has come. Obviously, uh, Jesus' reputation has preceded him. And so a bunch of people have gathered and to proclaim, save us, Messiah, come and save us. They have these expectations, these hopes, and these longings. And after they come into the city of Jerusalem, it says that another crowd has gathered, and Jesus prays this prayer. And so if you would, turn with me in your Bible uh, to John chapter 12. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat, excuse me, or the pew in front of you. The words will also be on the screen, but this is John 12, beginning in verse 27. Uh, and this is a, a story about another uh, prayer that Jesus prayed and what it has to tell us about listening for the voice of God. John 12, 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, 
No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is somewhat of a a peculiar passage, right? This isn't a story uh, that we hear very often. It's not a story I was super familiar with. Uh, And so uh, this story is the only time this occurs in the Bible. Now, uh, in the New Testament, there are four books uh, called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four books kind of help build a a more clear picture of who Jesus was and is and how Jesus engages in ministry in the world. And so they kind of would sometimes give different perspectives on the same kinds of stories, or they would fill in other sides of the story so that you could kind of get a more full picture of who Jesus is. Uh, But this is the only occurrence where this particular story happens. Matthew, Mark, and Luke a lot of times share more similar stories to kind of paint the picture of the life of Jesus. But John has a little bit of a different perspective, and he's kind of trying to show uh, the magnificence and the glory that Jesus is, in fact, who Jesus claims to be. Jesus is the Son of God. So he, he has a little bit of a different perspective, and so that's why this story in particular is kind of in this gospel. But this isn't the only time that we hear in the gospels that a voice spoke from heaven. There are two other instances where a voice speaks from heaven. The, the first instance in the Gospels is at Jesus' baptism. So uh, Jesus had a, a cousin named John, John the Baptist, who you may have heard about. was kind of a strange guy. He wore camel's clothing and hair and uh, ate locusts. I mean, he's kind of a very interesting character. And he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And it says that Jesus kind of takes an intentional journey to John and says, I, you're called to baptize me. And so as Jesus is baptized, as he comes back up out of the water, it says the heavens open up. And it's as if the glory of God was on display and a dove descends on Jesus. And from heaven, a voice calls out, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is the first time we hear about this voice from heaven. The second occurrence is uh, during something called the transfiguration. Now, what happens is uh, Jesus has been doing his life and ministry, and there have been kind of all these signs and miracles and all these different things. And so Jesus gathers a small number of his disciples with him. And he takes this small number of disciples up to a mountaintop. And as they get to the mountaintop, it says that as if the glory of God descended on top of the mountain. And uh, two other people, Moses and Elijah, appear And it's like the glory of God is seen on full display on Jesus. It's as if the the disciples have seen a transfiguration, a transformation of Jesus. It's like their eyes have been opened to the miraculous nature of the full character of who Jesus is. And in the only way that Peter can do, he's like, we should do something. And so he's kind of, you know, he's kind of nervous and like, because Moses and Elijah show up, like this is another story for another time, but wow, it's an interesting one. But Another voice from heaven comes, kind of, I think, in response to Peter's, like, I don't know what to do. And the voice comes from heaven, and it says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So a a second time that the voice of God calls out from heaven. 
And then here is the third time that we hear this voice of God. Jesus is just entered in on this kind of triumphal entry with all of these expectations from this crowd that's gathered. He's just raised Lazarus from the dead. So the people know that Jesus is, uh, there's something to pay attention to about this person. And so, so many people have these expectations, these longings for hearing from God because for centuries, it feels as if God has been silent. It's as if they've heard nothing. And so they're longing to hear from God. And they hear about this man who who matches what they have been told about this Messiah, about the one who would come and save them. And so they wave these palm branches and they shout, Hosanna! Hosanna! I'll try to keep my arms down. Uh, They shout Hosanna, right? They're shouting out, save us. They have these expectations. And it says that Jesus prays this prayer, Father, may your name be glorified. And God says, it has been glorified and it will be glorified again. The third time we hear this voice of God come from heaven. Now, it's helpful to kind of have a context for all three of these different stories because I think they tell us something a little bit about the nature and the character of the voice of God. The first thing I think that is important for us to see about all these things is that each one of these instances, the voice of God is closely associated with the glory of God, right? Do you kind of remember that? It says that heavens opened up in the baptism, and it was as if the glory of God was on display, the the clouds part, and so the glory is there, and the uh, voice from heaven comes. And up at the top of this mountain in this transfiguration experience, it's like the glory of God descends on the mountain. And here, we hear Jesus pray, Father, may your name be glorified. And God, the voice of heaven, says it has been glorified and it will be glorified again. Right? These are instances of the the calling of God or the voice of God is very closely associated with the glory of God. And the other thing that's important to kind of think about with the voice of God is when these things happen and kind of what's being said, right? These happen at significant moments in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus, before anything else happens, he goes and is baptized and the glory of God calls out, this is my son whom I love, right? An affirmation of the calling of Jesus. And as he goes up to the mountain, it's an affirmation of the kind of glory of who Jesus is. The fullness of Jesus is on full display for the disciples who are gathered there. And here, at another significant moment of Jesus' ministry, He's just entered into Jerusalem with all of these expectations and these hopes and these longings for this Messiah. But he's in this moment also held right in the shadow of the crucifixion. And so what's so interesting about this particular experience is that uh, Jesus knows what's going to happen. Jesus knows where he's headed. And so it says that the glory of God was in some ways on display in the shadow of the crucifixion, in the death that Jesus would die. And so it's not in spite of, but it is through the cross that the fullness of the glory of God is on display. That is baffling. That is so paradoxical that this Messiah the people had longed for, that they would hope would care for them, that would come and overthrow their oppressors, would do so in a way they could never have imagined would die on the cross and that that is where the glory of God would be on display. So the voice of God is closely associated with the glory of God and follows these significant moments and affirmations of the life and ministry of Jesus. 
Now, these things might seem pretty straightforward and relatively obvious, but I think it's really important for us to understand the context of how we see this in, the, in how we pray, in how we seek to hear from the voice of God. Because you see, these uh, occurrences of the voice of God coming from heaven are about the glory of God. They aren't about the glory of us. Right? And the significant moments that these things come in are following the life and ministry of Jesus, not the life and the ministry of the disciples. Right? It's not like the disciples are like, hey, we want to hear from God, so Jesus, follow us up the mountain so that we can go hear from him. Right? And it's not like the disciples say, Jesus, hop on this donkey and we'll bring you into Jerusalem so we can hear God call from us from heaven. You see, sometimes I think when we uh, hope and long for the voice of God, we get this mixed up. We get this backwards. Because it's in following Jesus that the voice of God is heard. It's not as we are pulling Jesus along to follow us that we hear from God. Right? It's the same kind of thing. I couldn't fabricate Jesus speaking to me in the bathroom. Right? I couldn't be like, hey, it's 3 o'clock on Saturday and I've got... I've got a place to be. I've got somewhere to go. I know you're doing something, so just go ahead and speak for me, Jesus. Right? Jesus isn't a, a genie on a lamp that we pull along on a donkey so that we can hear from God when we want, but it's rather how we orient our life and moving towards Jesus. And as we move towards Jesus, that's when the voice of God comes. You see that difference? Do you see how that creates a difference when we think about listening for the voice of God? Are we looking for Jesus to be my buddy and come along so that I can hear from God? Or is it rather that as we are moving towards Christ, as we are seeking to follow after Jesus, that the voice of God speaks? This is a significant uh, transition for us, a way of reframing our mind of how it is we listen for the voice of God. And here's what I'm so appreciative for. In the other Gospels, we hear this kind of uh, approach in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the account of uh, John doesn't have the Garden of Gethsemane. And so here we hear the honesty of Jesus. And this is an encouragement for me because I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like in the, the Christian walk as we're seeking to follow after Jesus, we have to have everything together. And we have to feel like we're, we're ready. Because you'd think like in this moment, Jesus is bringing glory to the Father. That's essentially what's being said. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the voice from heaven is uh, Jesus bringing glory to the Father. But Jesus knows to bring glory to the Father is leading to his death. Right? This isn't an easy pill to swallow. In fact, in the uh, other Gospels in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you can, take this cup from me. And so I think sometimes when we think about listening for the voice of God, we have to think that we have to be all cleaned up and we have to have everything figured out and we have to say the right words and to have the right kind of Christian veneer so that Jesus will accept us. And if we're maybe better or more holy, then maybe the voice of God will respond. But here at the beginning of this passage, it says, now my soul is what? Now my soul is uplifted. Now my soul is ready. Jesus prays, now my soul is troubled. Right? This word troubled invokes this kind of inner turmoil. Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows to bring glory to the Father is going to be his death. And he doesn't ignore that. 
I think this models for us an invitation that sometimes in our prayers, we don't have to put on pretty language. Jesus said as much. Don't be like the Pharisees coming up with all this frilly language and all this great stuff. Come honestly before God. And when we come honestly before God, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to get to hear from the voice of God. But it does mean that no matter what, God will hear us. And God will meet us. God will find us wherever we are. And so as Jesus prays, now my soul is troubled, it's an invitation for us to remember that we can come to God with our troubling things. That we can come to God in pain. That we can come to God frustrated. It doesn't mean that God is guaranteed to speak. This is Jesus after all. But it does mean that Jesus is there with us. Jesus will hear these things. We can bring our honest prayers to Jesus. You see, and what what happens is this voice uh, comes from heaven. And this voice says, uh, Jesus prays, uh, excuse me, Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. And Jesus says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And essentially what God is saying, what we hear, is God saying, I have glorified my name through your life and ministry. And I will glorify your name through your death. Right? This voice from God is saying, I have glorified your name through your life and I will glorify my name through your death. But it doesn't say that. Right? It says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it. And this is what's so complicated, even when the voice of God is heard clearly. It's so easy for us to fill in the blanks. Right? It's so easy for us to, to come up with what we think God said, even when we hear the words so clearly. And the text says, not everybody heard it clearly, right? It says, I have, I have glorified my name and will glorify it. And it says, the crowd that was gathered there, some of them said it was like thunder. How often do we find ourselves uh, equating what the voice of God is speaking to just a loud noise? Right? Kind of dismissing it outright. Well, that, wasn't, that was just a, a loud noise somewhere, right? That's, just, that's God bowling in the heavens. Right? Sometimes this is how we often approach uh, hearing the voice of God is perhaps there's something in us that's keeping us from hearing it, and so we just, we, we just dismiss it as thunder. And it says another uh, group, another people from the group there, uh, said it was an angel of the Lord. Now, see, this is a tricky one. Because that's pretty spiritual, isn't it? Like an angel talking to Jesus. That sounds like a really spiritual thing. But what the gospel writer John is saying is this is actually the voice of God, God's self. This is God speaking from heaven. And so there are people in the crowd who try to explain what's happening without understanding the fullness of what's happening. I find myself doing that all the time. Right? I fill in the blank. That must be an angel uh, approaching to me. It couldn't possibly be God, God's self. Right? And so in this uh, discerning the voice of God, sometimes we can spiritualize it away from being the fullness of what it's actually saying. And then, and this is the other part that's like just so frustrating and baffling. Even if they heard everything clearly, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The group of people who have been gathered there are longing for a Messiah. And they're longing for the kind of Messiah who will overthrow the oppressors. And so if you heard these words, as some of the people who were gathered there, I'm, I'm sure probably would have interpreted, if you heard these words, I have glorified it and will glorify it again, this is it, right? This is the guy. He's going to throw over our oppressor. 
And then even if you heard Jesus' words after, he says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Great. Now in the time is the, now is the time for judgment in this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. This is sounding great. Right? This sounds like the oppressors, the, the, the kingdom of Rome is going to be overthrown. And he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus is going to be on the throne. Jesus is going to be uplifted onto a, a throne. He's going to be the one that's going to rule. Right? This is what's so frustrating and so sneaky about this is even if you hear the voice of God clearly. It can be so easy to fill in the blanks because we've been longing for that voice. And so you fill in the blank that God is, Jesus is the one who's going to come and overthrow the government. But this isn't what happens, right? We have the benefit of the gospel writer John who says in verse 33, when he finished speaking, excuse me, verse 33, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. When Jesus is lifted up, it's not to be on a throne to overthrow the Caesar, it's to be up on a cross. Right there. This, is, this would have been baffling for the people. They were hoping, they were longing that this person would come and to free them from their oppression. And it looks like it's about to happen. They've even heard God say it. And yet their expectations are completely altered. Because a few days later, Jesus will die on the cross. The person who was supposed to overthrow their oppressors is gone. How often in our own life do we listen for the voice of God and then fill in the blank because we're so longing for what God is going to say and we interpret instead of waiting for what Jesus will say? This is so complicated. This is so challenging. This is so hard because we want to hear from God. We long to hear from God. And we long for a Savior who will save us and overthrow the oppressor. All of that sounds great. But God is at work doing something even deeper than the people couldn't ever possibly understand. You see, God is a God who goes beyond our understanding. Because what does God say? Or what does Jesus say there? He says, I will be lifted up from earth and will draw all people to myself. There, like there's something that's happening that's so profound that we get the benefit of, of a number of thousands of years later to be thinking and reading about this. But uh, turn back, if you would, if you have your Bible open, in John 12 to verse 19. This is God at work in ways way deeper than we could ever understand. It says, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. The Pharisees, by the way, are the religious elite who want nothing to do with Jesus because he's uh, questioning their power and their authority, and they're going to be overthrown if he throws them over, right? So they're not super happy about these things. And it says, look how the whole world has gone after him. They have no idea the prophetic words that are in their mouth. Look how the whole world will go after him. And then it says right after that, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came and said, sir, we would like to see Jesus. Now, on first read, that might not seem all that significant, but the people who had gathered in the crowd, uh, it was a time of Passover. And that's just a, a big festival where people would come and remember and celebrate that God had delivered his people from uh, Egyptian captivity. And so all kinds of Jerusalem uh, people would be gathered in Jerusalem, especially people who followed Jesus or actually who were Jewish, right, who were part of the faith that Jesus was. They would come there to, to worship at Jerusalem for this festival. But there were all kinds of other people who were gathered there. And so when it says that there were these Greeks who gathered there, they certainly may have been from Greece, but most likely what's being talked about here in this particular passage is people who were non-Jewish. 
Right? So you have these people who have these Jewish beliefs, this messianic hope for who Jesus is going to be. But it says here that a crowd has gathered because there were some Greeks among them, some non-Jewish people. So if you uh, hear in uh, Scripture before, it talks sometimes about Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are considered unclean because they haven't been following Jesus their whole life. They haven't been following God their whole life. Actually, not following Jesus because at that point they didn't know about Jesus. But anyways, they haven't been following God their whole life. And so this group of Gentiles is these people who are God-fearing, but they, haven't, they don't have the Jewish faith. And so it says this group of people comes and they say, we want to see Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is the signal for Jesus. That this group of non-Jewish people are curious. And when it says they've come to see Jesus, what they're really saying is they've heard so much about Jesus that they want to come and believe in Jesus. That word for see has a lot to do with believing. And so this group of non-Jewish people is now coming to seek to see, is this for real? Can I follow this person? All throughout the rest of the Gospel of John and all these other Gospels, Jesus performs these miracles and he says, my time has not yet come. He heals a a blind man and says, my time has not yet come. He makes a man walk who had uh, crippled legs. He says, my time has not yet come. And here, when the people who aren't Jewish show up, he says, the time has now come. Because when I will be lifted up, all people will be drawn to myself. Do you see what Jesus is doing there? These people who had this longing for a Messiah because of their Jewish faith that would come and save them from the oppressive Roman Empire. They're hoping that Jesus is going to overthrow the government and that Jesus will be up on a throne and that they'll now finally be in a place of power. But when it doesn't go the way that they want, I can imagine how devastated they must be. In fact, we hear about how devastated they are. But what God was at work doing was something way beyond they could ever hope or understand. Because Jesus doesn't overthrow the government. He's, in fact, killed and crucified, which is what we're going to honor and celebrate on Good Friday. And as he's crucified, he says, I will draw all people to myself, Jew and Gentile alike. Everybody is drawn to the presence of Jesus. And Jesus' crucifixion is the full glory of God on display to say, come to me, all of you. Come to me, all of you. An invitation to come and see Jesus. This is profound. This would go way beyond what anyone would have ever expected. But they had hoped. Right? They had longed for Jesus to speak. They had longed for God to say something. But it didn't go as they expected. You see... The voice of God isn't for us to control. It's not up to us for God to fill in the blank for, I'm having this hard time and so I want you to speak at 2 o'clock in the bathroom for me. It's as we are following Jesus, as we come to this King who will be lifted up on a cross for all people, That the voice of God speaks and it speaks of the glory of God and the invitation to come and follow him. And so at the beginning, I asked this question, how do you hear from God? And that's a really important one because I do think God speaks in all kinds of ways and unexpected ways, the bathroom included, right? God speaks in all kinds of crazy ways. But I think the question that's deeper, the question underneath the question 
is how are you listening? Right? Are you listening for the voice of God to kind of put Jesus on the donkey and pull him along for the ride so you can hear what it is you want to hear and fill in the blank of whatever box we've created for how we understand God? Or instead, are we listening as we are moving and journeying towards Jesus, the kind of ruler and Lord and Messiah who would save us not by overthrowing the Roman Empire in his day, but by dying a criminal's death on a cross to call literally all people to himself. To come honestly, to come troubled. To come professing Jesus as Lord even when we don't fully understand. And so as we close, I want to invite us uh, to this way of praying a prayer of listening. But a prayer of listening that sometimes I think, uh, I find I do this. Sometimes when I pray a prayer of listening, which is really just being quiet and still before God in silence. That I'm coming with God uh, in a really small box. Right? I want to hear about this one thing that I'm having a hard time with. So if you could just speak into that little tiny honeycomb. But instead to come to God in listening prayer, honestly, wrestling with whatever it is that we're wrestling with and trusting that God will speak even if it doesn't make sense to us or perhaps that the silence is the way in which we're hearing from God, but it's preparing us so that as we are following Jesus, we can hear from the voice of God for God's glory and not our own. I loved this prayer Pastor Britta prayed this morning. That in our lives we turn away from the triumphal entry, the words in our heads and on our lips have been can't, won't, never, and impossible. Believing that our problems are too deep for God. We've underestimated God's power and we've stewed in our own misery. We repent of this hard-heartedness. This is the invitation for us to come to God in prayer to trust that God is way bigger and doing something way more than we could ever hope or imagine. And even when we don't audibly hear the voice of God, trusting that God is speaking and that God hears us. And so I'm going to pray another prayer uh, from a book called Gorillas of Grace called Help Me Listen. And this prayer is simply to open us up to be in relationship with God. And after that, I'm just going to invite you into some space of, of silence not expecting that God will necessarily speak into the small box that we've contained, but rather to seek to follow Jesus and that in that following, we might have our eyes and ears open to the work of God in our midst. So would you find yourself kind of in a comfortable position, perhaps opening up your hands, uh, closing your eyes, focusing on uh, your breath, some deep breathing, And to simply be present to God. O Holy One, I hear and say so many words, yet yours is the word I need. Help me to listen. And if what I hear is silence, let it quiet me. Let it disturb me. 
Let it touch my need. Let it break my pride. Let it shrink my certainty. Let it enlarge my wonder. 